Lord, we ask that as we turn back to, to your word to look at it, we pray that we would know your, your help as we do that. We're so conscious of our own unworthiness. We're so conscious that we need as speaker and as hearers alike. We truly need your help, and we pray that we would experience that as we consider your word. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to look back at part of this passage that we, we read together in Acts chapter 13, and uh, particularly looking at, at verses from 36, um, or from 26, Onwards, where it begins, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. And I want to look just a few very simple thoughts tonight that, uh, about the message of this salvation, this great salvation. This is happening in the, in the synagogue. Uh, we read that in verse 14, where it says, On the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. And uh, Paul is addressing brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, those among you who fear God unto us, has been sent. He's talking to fellow Jews here, brothers and sons of the family of Abraham. Of course, the Jews looked on uh, Abraham as their ancestor. But um, Paul is really making the distinction here He's looking at it in a spiritual context and thinking among those who fear God and those who know God. I'm sure you're familiar with a little chorus that we used to sing, Father Abraham has many sons, many sons as Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. And it's in that sense that Paul is saying here, brothers and sons of the family of Abraham, those who truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He's talking about uh, those who fear God. That's addressing the, the, the Gentiles and to us, including themselves. So really, he's including everyone, everyone whose desire would be to, towards the Lord Jesus Christ and seeking him and, and looking to him. And uh, what, what a privilege it is and maybe we don't think of that enough when we, we think about the, the message of salvation has been sent. It's a sent message. And when it talks about it being sent here, sent, as a, it's got a strong meaning. It's not a case of like, oh, well, we'll send that and see what happens. No, it's sent with, with a purpose. And it's sent to achieve Something, And it's used a lot throughout Scripture, this, this word sent. There was a man sent from God, same word, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. It's also the same word in John 3 and verse 17. It's not the word sent, it's the word send, but it's the same word. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so this message of salvation that's been sent, it's, it's a powerful word, and it, it's sent with a purpose, and it's sent to achieve something. And uh, 
Of course, this is the message as well that, that unites the church, the church being the, the people of God, the children of God, those who have come to a true and saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's this message that unites us. In Philippians 2.1 it says, For if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. And that comes about by this message of salvation that was sent to those who have come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear a lot today about messaging, don't we? There's so many different ways of sending a message. You don't need me to tell you what they are, and you probably know much more about it than I do. Not everybody responds to a message. Sometimes you can send a message, and there's some people that are just not very good at responding. And uh, you're left wondering, well, I wonder, did that person actually get the message or not? But sometimes people don't. You sit there and you send a message and you think, well, I haven't heard from that person. And it transpired that the person never even got the message. Sometimes we, we think we've sent a message and it hasn't really gone at all. But that's not the case with this message. This is a message that was sent. It was truly sent. It was sent with a purpose. And it's been sent to us. And you know, we should never think lightly about that. That this message has been sent. Some believed the message. Others we're told in verse 27, did not recognize him nor understand. And that is the case with many today. The message of salvation. Some things about this message. It's a message, it's good news. And in verse 32 it says, And we bring you the good news that, was, that what God promised to the fathers. We bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers. It's Paul and Barnabas that's referred to here when it says, and we bring you the good news. And this message is good news, and it's good news that was proclaimed, prophesied, way back in Old Testament Scripture, as we know. In verse 33 in this chapter, we read, Thus he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus, as also it is written in Psalm 2, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And this little phrase here by raising Jesus is not so much referring to his resurrection but it's, it's more referring to that, that Jesus was brought forth. It means to bring forth like God gave his son. In Galatians 4.4 4 we read, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And he was sent forth for sinners, of course. And we, we are all sinners. The, the, this message that was sent with a purpose to achieve something, it's God that sent forth his son. Many, of course, are acting in ignorance, as Paul himself admits. For so long he acted in ignorance. He, he persecuted the church and he was going away to cause more havoc and distress 
on the road to Damascus and when, when he met with, with Jesus on the way. And the light was so bright that he, all he could do was fall on, on his face. And he admits that himself until he was confronted on that road. He was resisting. And as we read, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. He was kicking against it. And maybe there's someone here tonight and you're kicking against it. You're kicking against this message that's, that's been sent. It's been sent to you. And if you've been coming along here regularly, you've heard it over and over again. And maybe like Paul, you're kicking against it. But it's hard to do that, uh, as, as we read in the Bible. It's hard to kick against it. And the purpose of, of it is that you wouldn't kick against it, but that you would surrender to it, that you would bow to the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender to his will and come to know him. Because this message, is, it's, it's a great message. It's good news. And it's a great gospel. It's life-changing. And when you come to know Jesus... You will never be the same again. It changes how you live. And it changes how you think. It changes how you are. And it should change us completely in how we act towards each other. It's a wonderful message. It's good news. But also, this message, it's a message that brings us into a, a covenant relationship. Look at verse 34. And as... For the fact that he raised him from the dead no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And these words are cited from a verse way back in Isaiah 55, verse 3, where it says, Incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love. For David, it's an everlasting covenant, and what a promise this is for for all his people. And we 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 need encouragement, don't we? We need to to stand on his promises and be reminded of them, because they're so wonderful and they're so glorious, and they're so great. And the promise is that for for all who come to him, God has promised to to be their God. I will be their God. And you will be my people. He's promised to, to bind himself to his own people. To protect them. To be that anchor for their soul. To be that rock on which they can stand that will, will never fail. He's promised to be that friend. I remember being, a, I was in Rogert this morning. And my dear cousin Sandy is no longer there. He's in glory. But I remember... At a prayer meeting some time ago, and his Sandy beginning the prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. And he just, he just said it in such a way there was just so much feeling in it. Here was someone who, who had come to know this friend in such a glorious and in such a wonderful way. He could say, what a friend we have in Jesus. Do you know that tonight? Do you know that friend? That friend that sticks closer than a brother? That is sure and certain. And nothing can take that away from those 
who love him and those who are loved by him. That should be a great comfort to us tonight as God's people. But if you don't know him, you know, you, you're missing out. You're settling for, for, for second best in your life. You don't know the reality of this friend. You've never responded to this message that was sent. Sent with a purpose. Sent to achieve something in your life that you could know him and trust him. And we'll see more as we go on. Another great truth that we see here in this passage is that Jesus is alive. He's alive forevermore. We've just come through uh, the, the period of Easter. In verse 35 in this chapter, it says, Therefore, he says also in another psalm, You will not let your Holy One see corruption. And we've just been singing about that in Psalm 16 at verse 10. And in the passage, he goes on to, to illustrate that, making a, an illustration of David. David, after his work was done, was laid to rest until the coming of the Lord. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But with Jesus, it was so different. We, we, we sing that, or we, you might sing it, uh, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. You see, the, 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 the victory was won and it was a great victory. That yes, he died on Calvary's cross. He died for sinners. His blood was shed and he's laid to rest in the tomb, but the tomb couldn't hold him. Up from the grave he arose. He saw no corruption and he's alive and alive forevermore. The victory over death and hell, over the enemy. He broke through all of these. And he's alive. We worship a risen living Savior. And we can sing those words if you know him tonight. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And if you, if you believe tonight, you know, don't we? And we need to be uh, assured of this so often, that Christ lives in you if you know him. He lives in you. That's what the Bible tells us. That Paul himself said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The one who is alive, who is risen, lives in his own people. So the message is good news. God sent his son. And all, for all who believe, he says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant. And he saw no corruption. He is alive and he's risen. I want to go on and look uh, thirdly at this message. It's a message of forgiveness. In verse 38 we read, let it be known to you therefore brothers that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. This is, this is a powerful message. Message of, of the gospel is good news. And there, there, there's forgiveness. And it's proclaimed. It's all about Jesus. It's his power that's on display here. Christian is someone 
who believe. Somebody explained to me many years ago when I was just at that place where the Lord was working in my life and someone asked me if I knew what it meant to be a Christian and I, I had to say no. And this is how he explained it to me. He says, a Christian is someone who believes that when Jesus died on the cross, he died in your place. He took the punishment that you deserve. And he said, if you put your trust in him, you can know your sins forgiven. And you can know that you're going to go to heaven. I thought, wow, that's wonderful. That someone like me, a sinner, could actually know that I was going to go to heaven. And these words resonated with me. Forgiveness is proclaimed. And when conviction comes, conviction of sin, all one can do is cry out for forgiveness. Maybe we don't hear so much about conviction these days. Can you go back to a time in your life when that was so real? That just the weight of your sin was weighing so heavily upon you. What's the only thing you could do? Just cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him for forgiveness. And did he answer? Yes, of course he did. Because that's his promise. That when we call out to him, he will forgive. Because we're crying out to a, a living savior. One who is alive. And alive forevermore. And that's all we can do. But that's all we need to do. And that's all he needs to hear. He doesn't need to hear anything else. He just needs to hear that, that cry from our hearts. And it's the same message. The message that is sent. The message that's been handed down. It never changes. It's the same tonight as it was back then in the synagogue. That, that forgiveness is proclaimed. Jesus Christ died for sinners. He took the punishment that sinners deserve. How can you know? Maybe there's someone tonight and you're just not sure. Maybe you're just not sure if your sins are forgiven. How can you know tonight that Jesus took the punishment for your sins? How can you be sure? Well, we need to look in God's word because that's where all the answers are. Not what any man will say, but let's just see what God's word says. How did Jesus begin his public ministry? He began them with the words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is God's reign in the hearts of people that that would become more evident than ever before. Now there would be that genuine, humble repentance, that, that crying out to God. And friends, 
if you've done that from your heart. It's not just a passing prayer. It's not just some people say, oh, well, I ask for forgiveness every day. Well, well, that's good in one sense. But repentance is a, it's a falling down before God with the weight of sin upon us that we could cry to no other but cry out to him. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for all of my sins. Be my savior. Repentance. In Acts 3.19 it says, Repent therefore and turn back. We're not carrying on the way that we're living. We're not going on the same road. If we repent, our lives turn. We're going one direction. We're lost without Christ. Heading for a Christless eternity in hell. But repenting is about turning around and, and looking unto Jesus. Forgiven. What a wonderful gospel this is. And when you know that, when you receive his forgiveness, what a difference that makes in our lives. Like the hymn says, Loved with everlasting love, led by grace that love to know, spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace. Oh, this transport all divine. In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. Heaven above is softer blue. Earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue. Christless eyes have never seen. You know, when you know Jesus Christ, things look different. Many of you will have experienced that to know him. When you go out and you look at God's creation, you look at the grass, it looks greener. You look at the, the mountains and the hills, they just look different. Because you're looking at them through different eyes. You're not the same. But your life's been made new in him. And it's so wonderful. The message that was sent. It's a message of good news. It's a message where forgiveness of sins has been proclaimed. And finally, it's a message that brings freedom. Verse 39. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. This is an amazing verse. By him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Keeping the law of Moses could never free anyone from sin because people's best efforts couldn't keep the law perfectly. There was only one person who was perfect. And that's Jesus Christ himself. Our best efforts will never earn us a place in heaven because we're not perfect. We're far from perfect. We were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. No one can do that. But friends, the good news is that we're never asked to do that. Because we can't do it. But one came. God sent forth his son. 
And it's by his blood. His blood that was shed at Calvary. Your sins are washed and cleansed. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the freedom that's offered. The word is justified, made right. That your sin will not be counted against you. When you've received this good news, this message that was sent, that you would receive it with joy into your heart and, and, and know and, and experience the, the, the power of the message, that, that we could have that blessed assurance as our, our sins are forgiven, that we, that we belong to him, and our sins will never be counted against us because Jesus paid it all. As the hymn says, out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come into thy freedom, gladness and light. Jesus, I come to thee. Ah, there's freedom in the gospel. Why would people go on carrying the, the burden of sin without Christ and without hope? And there's a warning in this passage as well that without Christ, people will perish. And we, we, we read there, beware, in verse 40, therefore lest what is said in the prophet should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells you. And that's gone right back to the destruction of the, the temple in Jerusalem where, where the Jews were so, they were, they were proud of their temple in a sense, this great temple, and they thought that God would never destroy it. God would never do such a thing. And he did. You know, there's people today perhaps think that, well, a loving God would never let people go to a lost eternity in hell? Well, my friends, that's not what the Bible says. A loving God sent his own son so that people like you and me could be saved. And this message has been sent. It's been sent to you. It's been sent to me. It's been sent afresh tonight that there would be a response to it, that, that you need not go on and, and perish in a lost eternity, but you could come to know this wonderful Savior, that you could know your sins forgiven, that you could know this glorious freedom, that you could know the Savior that my dear cousin Sandy was, was praying about, what a friend we have in Jesus, so that you could know this, and that you could come to trust him, and you can come to, to walk with him, and be with him, so that when the end comes, when you stand before him on the judgment day, you will have nothing to fear. Because you'll not be standing there telling of what you have done. But all you'll be able to tell us of what he has done for you. May we know it. May we trust him. May we know the blessing of this great and glorious gospel. Lord, we pray that you would help us to experience your, your great love that you poured out to us. You, you, you did it all for us. And this message has been sent, sent with, a, with, with, with power and with a purpose to achieve 
what no other word or no other could, could achieve, that we could be forgiven and that we could know a, a glorious and wonderful freedom. Your word says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Help us to know this and to rejoice in it and that we might leave all of your people with a, a spring in our step, knowing afresh what you have done for us and giving you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close singing from the, the Scottish Psalter.